Hello, my fellow spirits, demons, and cryptids. I'm delighted that you've come. I have a story to tell you, something that happened long ago. Or recently. It's difficult to tell what with time being a figment of our imagination. Even so, allow me to be your narrator. Your guide to a place similar to ours, filled with people similar to you, as they face the strange, the dangerous, and the mysterious. Make sure you're comfortable, but not too comfortable. And if you feel something watching you, don't worry. That's completely normal. Dear Rory, I don't think I feel very safe taking Sandra out on these ghost hunts anymore. Granted, neither of us felt completely okay with it in the first place, but now I'm really starting to worry that this could have a bad effect on her. This latest case had me really worried. I'll start from the beginning and see what you think. It started as normal, just a family with an old house that says it's haunted and they want me to see if I can find anything. The second I arrived, I noticed that there was a single small window in the attic. I had a gut feeling about that window, and you know how things are with my gut feelings. Still, I decided to follow your advice and not run to any conclusions right away. Sandra, of course, couldn't wait to get into the house. She loves going on these hunts with me more than anything. I thanked the couple and told them to return in a few days and hopefully by then I would have answers. I didn't know you had a daughter, the husband told me. Please, be really careful. Out of all the people in our family, our youngest daughter seems to be the one that's affected the most. Thank you for telling me that, I replied. Before you leave, tell me exactly what sort of things you've noticed about the house. Well, it started with the kids talking about seeing this woman at the corner of their eye. She wears a wedding dress. Then our youngest daughter started sleepwalking and more than once she would go to the bathroom, look into the mirror and say some very disturbing things. Understood. Sleepwalking, sightings of the same woman, it sounds like a poltergeist. Certainly one of the more dangerous spirit types to date. She must be vengeful. You've got that right, the husband responded. My wife heard us screaming and then our bedroom window shattered and some of the shards cut her legs and feet. That was the last straw. It's why we decided to call you. I can't have my wife and children in danger. Windows, mirrors... I'm beginning to see a pattern already. Does this house have any history? I'm not sure. I didn't think to check. That'll be my first step then. Do you have any internet access? Of course. The man gave me the Wi-Fi password. I thanked him and let him join his family. I wasn't so sure the screaming was the spirit. So far as you and I have gathered, brother, spirits tend to prefer darkness and silence. However, we have to agree that poltergeists always seem to deviate from the norm. They possess people like some stronger demons, but they can also affect objects like trinkets can, and they're not always easy to pinpoint. No easy fix here, and now I had Sandra to worry about. I thought about sending her to you, but the plane ticket would be worth the whole amount I was getting for this gig. Sandra, stay close to me, I called out to her. Okay, she replied and sat with me at the kitchen table. She kept looking around trying to find the spirit. Eventually, she gave up and started reading a book. I went through the computer to try to see something about this town or this house. There wasn't a whole lot going on, but I eventually found a published book with some local urban legends of the area. There were a bunch of them, but of course there were always a ton, no matter where you went. There wasn't anything about this house in particular, but there was a story that sounded very similar to our poltergeist. There was a murder. 
a husband and wife lived somewhere quite away from here almost 200 years ago, but the wife was killed during their honeymoon, and the husband disappeared with all her money and took the ring he gave her for the wedding. The man's name was Derek Wan, and his wife's name was Kimberly Young. Kimberly, huh, I muttered. As I did, I saw my reflection on the computer screen flip to a ghastly, sunken-eyed woman with a gaping mouth and matted hair. Oh, I hollered and slammed the computer closed. It startled Sandra, who looked up from her book. It took a second to steady my heart, but I remembered that even though I can't see her, she was still in the house. This case is going to give me a heart attack, I can already tell, I told Sandra. Daddy, Sandra asked, should we take a look at the attic first? We should, I admitted, but I'm going to go ahead and build myself up to that. Brother, I know I've said this to you before, but sometimes this job takes a lot of courage that I do not readily have. Sandra, however, never seems afraid of anything. I don't know whether it's her condition or her own tenacity, but I'm really grateful for it regardless. She seemed absolutely ready to go to the root of the issue, and we both seemed to agree that whatever sent Kim to this house was in the attic. Ever since I saw that window, I just knew. We spent some time setting up the equipment from the car. I didn't feel it was wise for this case to use the video cameras, but I had the EMF meters and the recorders placed. Poltergeists tend to be the ones that are the most talkative. I took Sandra out for dinner. I didn't feel comfortable in the house, or rather, I didn't feel comfortable having Sandra in the house. I felt like we were more in danger this time. Luckily, or unluckily, I've had a glimpse of her. She would likely be more active than others, which meant we may finish the case sooner. I have to admit, I was hesitant about the case from the beginning, but the family was willing to pay really, really well. Sandra and I enjoyed a meal at our little sit-down restaurant and had some of the local food. I ordered in the native language, but I was so rusty at it that the waitress stifled a laugh and gave me a good try sort of gesture. I turned my attention to Sandra. So, Sandra. This poltergeist has a history of possessing people in their sleep. We need to make a code with each other. It has to be something to say, I'm okay, or I have it under control. That way, if the other doesn't respond, we'll know they're being influenced. Sandra looked up at me. Daddy, what if she learns our code and then says it for us? There's no danger of that, I assured her. Spirits don't have thought or will anymore. They're solely habitual. I didn't know if that was entirely the case, but I knew enough to know that a spirit can't learn a habit and copy it. It's like they're frozen in the time they've passed on. They can't take in new information. The best that can be done is to do something which lays the spirit to rest. Poltergeists have always been the hardest to do that with. I leaned a bit closer. Okay, so how about if one of us thinks the other is possessed, we'll say, how's the weather? And the other person would say, warm if they're fine and cold if not if the other person says nothing at all we'll take it as cold okay sandra nodded and shrugged i watched her fiddle with the napkin and wondered if maybe there was something wrong i grinned here let's test it now i'll pretend to be possessed and you ask the question ready she looked at me and i stiffened my body before wiggling my arms and making silly noises she grinned how's the weather I kept jiggling my arms and leaning my body around. Warm. I reached over to her and started to tickle her sides and she started laughing. She tried to swat me away. 
and I knew I was making a scene in the restaurant, but I didn't care. I was playing with my daughter, and she was having a great time. We ate our dinner, and though there wasn't much food, I was stuffed. I even got Sandra to eat everything on her plate, even though it usually took begging and pleading to do so. We got back to the house, and the ominous darkness of the two-story house plus attic and basement sent a shiver up my spine. I took a moment to look at the windows to see if I could see anyone in them. I didn't, but Sandra seemed to. She gasped. I saw her! Sandra pointed to the attic window. She was there, wearing a white dress. She's in the attic, huh? I sighed. Sandra, let's sleep in the same room tonight. I don't want us splitting up in this house. Okay, Sandra nodded. We walked up together and opened the door. I turned on the living room light and felt a little better. I wanted to turn on every light in the house, but doing that would make the poltergeist feel cornered and that might lead to being more violent. I looked over to the EMF meters by the front door and at the kitchen window, and they had some activity. I took the recording from the living room and, with Sandra sitting beside me on the couch, started to listen to it back. There was low static at first, nothing too sinister. As I kept listening, about the time that Sandra and I had left to eat, I heard words. I stopped it, played it back, and tried to hear what she was saying. It was in the native language. Luckily, or unluckily for me, they were simple words to decipher. I can see you, Derek. I turned the recording off and wrote down the time in the tape that she spoke. I figured that was enough listening before bed. Well, I'm thoroughly spooked, I sighed. Sandra was already nodding off. I picked her up, turned on the lights to the hallway and then the downstairs bedroom, and laid Sandra down to sleep. The window to the room was boarded up. It must have been the master bedroom. I didn't think I was going to be able to sleep. Luckily, Sandra and I both learned the art of sleeping with the lights on. I woke up only a few hours later. It was 3.30 in the morning and I was groggy, but I shot up immediately when I noticed Sandra was gone. Sandra, I breathed. I looked around but didn't see her. I went to the hallway and still didn't see her, but I heard mumbling. The voice was coming from the bathroom. Do I look pretty now, Derek? My heart leaped and I swear, it was like I had to swallow it back down. Sandra was in the darkness, staring at the bathroom mirror, muttering to herself. My hair is like strawberries and my eyes are gray. Don't you think I'm pretty now? I'm thinner and younger. Isn't this what you want? Sandra, I cried out. I turned on the light as fast as I could. Then Sandra jolted her body and spun around to look at me. Daddy, she called. I swallowed again. Sweetie, how's the weather? She looked confused at first, but after blinking a few times, she replied, warm. I sighed and relaxed. Honey, come on, let's go back to bed. I held my hand out to her. Sandra looked over at the mirror for a second before hurrying to my hand and burying herself against my waist. I embraced her. It's okay. It's going to be okay. I assured her. We slept the rest of the night hugging each other. That way, I'd know for sure if she wiggled out in her sleep. Sandra was able to fall asleep, but I kept staring at the boarded-up window. I was exhausted come morning, but I wasn't about to let something happen to Sandra. I considered sleeping in a hotel nearby instead of sleeping in the actual house. And as you know, Rory, I tend to feel like I have a better chance learning more about the beings when I spend nights with them. This woman had me spooked. Sandra had never been possessed before. It was the first time in weeks I thought about Lydia. 
I know you tell me to forget about it, Rory, but jobs like this always bring those memories back. It was that moment when the poltergeist targeted Sandra when this haunting became personal. I thought about what Kim had said while she was in Sandra's body. What sort of sick, abusive, psychological torture did Derek put her through to be so vengeful that she would take over the bodies of young women apparently trying to appeal to a man who is long gone? Derek must have been a sick man, and it's ruined everything Kim might have been. The only question was, what did I have to do to free her out of it? How could I get Kim to move on? I delayed it for an entire day, but it was time to make it to the attic. I really didn't want to, and I wished that I knew someone nearby who could look after Sandra for me, but I was left to bring her up with me. Passing the other bedrooms on the second floor, and with recorder and a heat sensor in hand, we both wandered up to the dreaded top floor. There wasn't much to see at first, the normal memories caked in dust and cobwebs. There was a lot of room to move around. The entire attic could almost be used as another functioning room of the house if it weren't for the fact that someone my height could only stand upright for a portion of it. Sandra could get around pretty easily. Stay close, I muttered to her. I heard static in the recorder and a chill up my spine. I halted, waited for the feeling to pass, then played back the recording. Good to see you, Derek, the whisper came dripping through the recorder in the native language. Sandra jumped. She turned her eyes wide at me. I'm not Derek, Kim. My name is Princeton, I replied. My breath caught in my throat from how cold it got around me, and there was a louder static. Liar, the recorder shouted when I played back. Do you want to see how pretty I can be for you? I hesitated. Not really. Sandra's head threw back and she gasped. I dropped the instruments, which started to go haywire to hold onto her shoulders. Sandra! Sandra, sweetie, how's the weather? Sandra kept gasping, her body jolting. I was worried that she would give herself whiplash. Warm, she managed to say. Let's go back downstairs, okay? Sandra, I pleaded. She retched her body away from me. Sandra, I cried. Sandra hurried to a quilt and pulled at it. Dust and mold floated everywhere, and I had to close my eyes from the sudden glare. The light of the midday sun bounced off of a reflective surface, now free from the quilt. Why don't you notice me? I heard Sandra's plea. You care about me so little, brushing me off like I was an annoyance. My heart leapt out again. I know it was Kim talking to Derek, but I swear I heard Lydia in Sandra's voice. I'm sorry, I told her. I didn't know what else to say. The dust settled. I coughed for a few seconds, trying to see Sandra through fogged up glasses. I had to take them off. Sandra! Warm, she replied. I had to get Kim out of Sandra somehow. It was breaking me to watch her jerk and twitch, trying to keep some control. Once my vision could make out clearer shapes, I realized that I was standing before a full-body mirror. Sandra stood before it, but the reflection wasn't her. It was the face of a mangled bride, black hair matted in blood, and jaw slack. I could see Sandra's face and profile as she tried to turn toward me. She was crying. I could see her mouth trying to make out a word. C -c -c cold Let her go, damn it! I shouted. Let my daughter go! I had a flashback just then. I remembered having to say those words before. My body turned cold. I felt dizzy. I couldn't think straight. She's my daughter too, I heard a voice say. The voice was familiar, 
and it was a voice I've tried so hard to forget. I couldn't tell who was standing in front of me. I saw a short, plump woman with short black hair and a wedding gown. Then I saw a little girl with strawberry hair and gray eyes. And then I saw a blonde-haired woman with blue eyes and red lips. I knew all these faces, but I kept going back and forth from recognizing them to not being able to recognize them at all. I heard echoes all around me. Go ahead and shoot, I heard someone say. Was it me? I can't remember. Then I heard a bang. Just like that, my eyes shot open. Daddy, Sandra cried. She was looking down at me, shaking. I was so overwhelmed, I sat up and embraced her. I felt a blanket fall from my shoulders and the feel of cold hardwood beneath me. We were still in the attic. It was getting dark. The mirror was covered up again. I pulled Sandra away and looked her over. She didn't seem to have any cuts or bruises. Sandra, sweetheart, are you okay? What happened? Sandra sniffed and tried to speak cohesively through her tears. You were shouting at the mirror and you were jerking around. Then when I put the quilt over the mirror again, you fell over and wouldn't wake up. I thought you died, Daddy. I was so scared. I pulled her close to me and hugged her. I'm okay, I assured her. Everything is fine. We're going to be fine. We spent the night at a nearby hotel. We needed a good night's rest, and I needed to think. While Sandra was asleep, my head was invaded by thoughts. I didn't know how much I said about Lydia while I was being possessed. I was terrified she'd start asking questions. I decided that I was going to fly her to you for the rest of the summer. What happened that night? I couldn't let it happen again. My heart can only break so many times. Sandra is the most important thing to me in this whole world, and I know it's selfish of me to take her with me to these dangerous cases on her breaks. For her sake, I had to end it. Breakfast was served at the hotel lobby. Sandra and I ate in silence for a little while. Eventually, I broke the silence. Sandra, I had a bit of thinking. Your Uncle Rory might need some help writing the archives for our demon and spirit sightings. We can fly you out tonight to go see him. She didn't answer, just pushed her food around with her fork. I'm sure he'll be really happy to see you, I said. Daddy, Mom is dead, right? My whole body tingled. Yes, sweetheart. Was she shot? No, she wasn't shot, I told her. Remember, I told you how she was sick. Why are we talking about this? Sandra shrugged, unable to make any eye contact. I ate a bit of food. I'm flying you out to your Uncle Rory. Today is your last day on the case, isn't it? She asked. I can ask to extend the case a bit longer, I explained. It's more important you're taken somewhere safe. There was more silence. Well, somebody shot somebody, Sandra muttered. My body tensed. I think Derek shot Kimmy. He called her ugly a lot, and fat, and old, and stupid. He told her she looked better this way after she died. Derek was an awful person. My body relaxed. I looked down at my plate. Yeah, unfortunately, there are a lot of awful people in this world. She thinks you're Derek, Sandra looked up at me. You're not awful at all, Daddy. My eyes trailed to her before she looked away again. I smiled. I'm glad you think so. She fell silent again. I could tell she was trying to find the right words for what she wanted to say, so I ate and remained patient. Derek never paid attention to her, she muttered. My eyes trailed off to the side. 
I think she just needs to be told she's pretty. Honey, I really don't think it's going to be that simple, I assured her. Sandra shrugged again. It seems pretty simple to me. Does it now? I asked. Daddy, I don't want to go back to Uncle Rory's. I want to stay here with you and help with stuff. Sweetheart, I can't have you around that house and that mirror. I'll get too worried about you, and if something were to happen, I started. Please, Daddy, I like doing this with you, and it's the only time I get to see you. My heart wrenched for a moment. I looked down. I couldn't look at her. Just try to compliment her today. And if that doesn't work, then I'll go see Uncle Rory. Just try it, please. I took a moment to consider it. It was unlikely that all that needed to be done was compliment Kim, but it wasn't impossible. Still, I couldn't bear the thought of Sandra going back to the house. I couldn't leave an 11-year-old in a hotel by herself in a strange place for a day either. Fine, it's a deal. But you have to stay in the car. Doors all locked, and you are not to leave the car under any circumstances, okay? Sandra looked down at her plate and nodded, a light smile on her face. We arrived at the house once more. I locked the car and started for the door. Before entering the house, I turned around and made a heart symbol with my hands to my daughter. Sandra made a heart symbol back to me. I took a deep breath, clenched my fists, and rushed back into the house. Strange as it may seem, I always felt brave when I had Sandra around with me. The cases I take while she's at school are always the hardest, because I don't have someone like Sandra to keep me focused on why I keep doing these jobs. Now that I stood in the building all alone, despite it being midday, I felt ready to run out screaming at any moment. Regardless, I kept moving on upstairs. Every step I took, I listened for any extra noises. It was silent besides the settling house and my own ragged breathing. I worried that Kim may be waiting until dark. I was also worried that perhaps she didn't leave mine or Sandra's body at all and she remained dormant in one of us. Just the idea of this poltergeist still possessing Sandra made my teeth clench. I didn't have these thoughts for long, however, since by the time I got to the attic I felt the familiar chill. I shakily wandered into the middle of the room to retrieve the tape recorder that was since run out of film. I took the tape out, pocketed it, and put in a new tape to use. I pressed record, and I started to talk to her. Kim, are you there? The recorder picked up static, and I played it back. Go away. I clenched my fist, trying to ready my voice. Kim, I need to talk to you. Listen, I understand you've been hurt. You hurt me, Derek. I took in a sharp breath. Yes. I'm sorry I hurt you, Kim. I didn't deserve you. Please, forget about me and move on. I felt a chill run through me. Murderer, you hurt me. You killed me. Was I so ugly that you couldn't bear to see my face? The blanket fell off the covered mirror. Look at my face. Look at what you've created. I turned to the mirror to see a disheveled bride before me, short and stout with black matted hair and a screaming face. It twitched and spasmed as she looked at me. My breath caught in my throat, and for a moment, it was hard to breathe. I'm sorry, was all I could say. Now as I took a closer look at her, I saw the stain of tears. Dried blood flaked on one side of her head. I took a step closer to the mirror. Before my eyes, her image had changed. My chest stung at the transformation. Her stout posture became tall and voluptuous. Her black matted hair flowed to blonde. 
It's been eight years since I'd last seen Lydia, but her vision was as clear as ever. You neglected me. Yes, I... I admitted. I never meant to hurt you. Excuses, she shouted. But it's true, I assured her. We were young, and I was reckless and stupid and too caught up in my work. I took you for granted, called you horrible things, and in the end I knew I was to blame. But don't let me keep you away from happiness. Please. I shook my head. I had to remember why I was here. You have to move on. You took everything from me, Lydia, or Kim, cried. I did. Nothing can change what's been done. As much as I wish, how I wish we could reset the world, if even to just fix one mistake. But here we are. This is how it is. I blinked hard and kept myself on track as best as I could, but Lydia stood still before me. I lied to you. The truth is, Kim, you're beautiful. How dare you say that to me now, she whispered. I know I'm late in saying it. I closed my eyes desperately. When I opened them again, Kim stood before me once more. You always were very beautiful. You're also very smart. She was smart enough as a spirit, anyway, to use my own insecurities against me. I never met a spirit to do that before. That was when I noticed the image before me changing again. This time, there were small differences. The jolting happened less often. The blood was fading away. And, I continued, You're absolutely radiant in that gown. The dress mended itself as I said that. I straightened up. Your hair seems so soft to the touch. Kim's hair fell from its former matted state. Your face is soft, too. Well, I never said I was good at complimenting women, but it seemed to work all the same. Your eyes? The sockets faded and were replaced with black eyes and long lashes. They remind me of a deer. They're graceful and filled with wonder. She smiled. I felt my shoulders relax, and I smiled back. Derek was an idiot to have taken your beauty for granted. You never meant to cause pain to anyone, but you were hurting so much yourself that you couldn't bear to endure it alone. All you needed was for someone to see the true beauty you had all along. I've always wondered if that was why poltergeists existed. They've been wronged so badly that they couldn't possibly move on with all the hatred left here in the physical world. We know that a soul gets connected to what they were close to when they were alive. You must have looked at this mirror a million times for your soul to get stuck here, wanting so badly to be able to convince yourself that you weren't worthless. You just wanted Derek to see you for who you were. The ghost kept smiling, silent tears rolling down her face. She fell to her knees and covered her face with her hands. Hesitantly, I sank to my knees as well. You don't need someone like that bounding you down here. Kimmy, I mean this sincerely. You are a very beautiful woman. It was Derek who tore you down and made you ugly. But you don't need to keep existing this way. You have the right to be yourself, this kind soul that only wanted a little recognition from someone she loved. I'll say what he should have for you. You look positively stunning in that gown. I couldn't hear her voice over the recorder anymore. I watched as she lifted her head and looked directly at me her sweet smile beaming through hundred-year-old tears. Her mouth formed the words, I was confused at first, but then I realized it was, thank you, in her native language. 
I nodded to her in response. There was a beam of light. She looked up to the sky, and then she was gone. Rory, I'd like to go back to my question now. Am I risking Sandra's life taking her on these cases with me? Am I being selfish wanting to spend time with her while I'm working on her holidays from school? Not a day goes by that I don't worry about being a bad father, but I'm worried about what Sandra might have heard while I was being possessed. She knows that talking about her mother makes me upset, and I'm worried she'll find out eventually. But I also don't want to neglect her like I did Lydia. I don't want to shut Sandra out of my life. I want her to be with me, to share the thrill of this world that I encounter regularly. She wants to be here, and I don't want to force her away, but am I being irresponsible? Probably. I await your reply, and I hope this letter finds you well. Sandra says hello. With love, Princeton. Thank you for listening to my tale. If you wish to find more creations of mine, please visit Harganoff Animated on YouTube, spelled H-A-R-G-A-N-O-P-H. If you wish to support me or take advantage of perks such as content a week ahead of time, sneak peeks of new projects, or chances to contribute to these tales, visit patreon.com slash Harganoff, again spelled H-A-R. G-A-N-O-P-H. I find such delight in sharing my stories with you. Hopefully, I will see you again soon.